Father God, we come before you this afternoon, um, and as we are studying what you say the church is, what you call the church, Lord, I pray that your will would be done among your people for your glory alone. Pray for this time. Lord, give us ears to hear, hearts that are softened to your word. Give us the desire, the motivation from your spirit to live out the truth of Scripture in our lives for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you all this afternoon. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here at Zoe. If you are newer or visiting with us, we want to welcome you to our church. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, we have been going through a study in uh, the New Testament, going over the metaphors for the church in the Bible. And this is kind of a mini-series before we get back into the book of Second Samuel. We just want to make sure as we continue to grow as a church and change that our understanding of the church, our picture of the church that we have in our mind matches the picture God has in his word. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, we went into the fifth metaphor last week. I preached on how God calls the church uh, the body of Christ. And unlike the other metaphors, we're actually spending two weeks on the body. And the reason for that is that um, this is one of the most prevalent images in the New Testament. It's used many times to talk about the church. And there are kind of two ideas to the body, the unity of the body, but also the fact that the body is made up of many members. So that's what we're going to talk about this week. We are one body, but with many members. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. You can read along with me. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is... God arranged the members in the body, each of them, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may no, be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever had a situation where you realized that you needed all the pieces for something to work? A few weeks back, um, I made a plan with uh, one of the guys here at church to go fishing for trout. If you guys don't know, uh, they do trout stocking here in North Texas in the winter. Um, ask me about it later. Um, and it was fun. We had a good time. But I planned to do it, and I was excited because I wanted to take my son with me. And so I, I bought a new fishing rod for my son. Uh, and my son's pretty small. He's like four years old. So I bought a fishing rod that was the right length for him, very short, uh, very nice, uh, good, decent quality. Um, it had a good... Um, 
length. It had a good weight to it. And most of all, if you know me, it was the right price, right? It was under $20. It was cheap. And so I purchased it for him, and I was so excited. I took it home to show it to him. And, and to be honest, he wasn't that excited about it because he's kind of overfishing. But I was excited. As I opened it up and I wanted to show him this fishing rod, I realized that I had missed something in my inspection of the rod in the store. Uh, it looked fine to me. It looked like it would work out perfectly. But somehow, some way, even though I am a, a very picky shopper, it had missed my eye that this rod was missing part of the handle. And because of that, you could not turn the rod. And so even though this rod looked fine and it looked like it could do the job, we had to kind of postpone the plans to fish with that rod because it was missing this small, tiny piece. Without that piece, the rod couldn't do what it was meant to do the right way. Have you ever wondered what part or what piece you play in the church? Maybe you've thought that there must be something big in store for you, something that, that God has for you to do, or you've questioned whether you fit in or, or wondered why God has allowed you to be in the church you're at in this season with this particular group of people. I think in the church, if we're honest, this is something that often comes to mind. It's something that we often are challenged with. We wonder, what exactly am I doing here? And, and, and that's what I believe the metaphor of the body with the many members that we read about today addresses. While the body has to do primarily with the oneness and unity of the body, which we talked about last week, this afternoon, what we see in this passage as we delve into it is that at the same time, it's equally as important that the church body is made up of many parts, that there are many members in the body. And each one of these members is important. And so it's to those parts, those members, that we're going to turn our attention as we examine 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As we look at this passage, what we're going to see is that there are three truths about the body with many members that really should cause us to love the members, to value the members of the church, and to seek to fulfill our role in the church as well. So if you're looking at this passage, we're going to break it down into three parts. The first part is that every part is essential. Every part is essential. Essential. And we see this in verses 12 through 17. When it comes to the church body, the body, the Bible tells us that every member, every part is essential. And you can read this, okay, starting in verses 12 through 13. We see that there's an emphasis on the oneness of the body. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. That is, all were baptized. But there is still in verses 12 and 14 the fact that not every person is the same. And this is what Paul says here. There are many members. You might explain the idea here in this simple term. Solidarity in the church is not sameness. Unity does not mean uniformity. Maybe you've heard that before. But basically what the Bible tells us is just because we are united in Christ does not erase the fact that we are different from one another. That we are individuals who have been brought together to be part of this one body and we all have a part to play. And with this fact comes this truth that every body part is essential. And even though in Christ all Christians are united in one body, the differences that we have aren't supposed to be erased or simply ignored, but utilized for Christ's purposes. That's why he says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Now, when you hear the word member, what do you think about first? I think for most people nowadays, when you think about member, you think about being like the member of like, a gym or the member of like a shooting range or something like that, member of a club. Um, you think about membership in that way. But if you look at the verse in Greek, if you look at the word that Paul uses, the term that he uses here, melos in Greek, 
is a word that's translated members in some translations, but really means a limb or an appendage. That's what he's talking about here. So a better translation than member would be for us a body part. And now this distinction is really important when you're thinking about the image of the body or the church as the body of Christ. And the reason is that if you think about being like the member of of a gym or the member of a club, you're not thinking about it right. Because if you think about that, everyone kind of looks the same. You ever go to the gym? Okay, not everyone looks the same. Different body types and different genders and stuff like that. But everyone is an individual. They're they're all doing their thing by themselves. Right? But in the body, with the parts of the body, if you look in the mirror, you know that body parts aren't all the same. They don't all have the same function. In fact, the functions are very different, are very unique, and these differences are important. Unity does not equal uniformity. And these verses show us that simplistic views of unity in the church don't work. You can't just say everyone has to look exactly the same and and hope that somehow works out. In order for us to have the unity of the church that God desires, we need to understand that our Differences are important and useful as long as they come under the headship of Christ. For example, you've probably heard the verse, Galatians 3.28, very famous verse, very contentious verse. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. But if you read this verse, Paul says, actually, some of you are slaves and some of you are free. And some of you are Greeks and some of you are Jews. It's not that these differences don't exist and aren't real. Those differences are put in their proper place as secondary to the truth of being one in Christ. And therefore, the differences that we do continue to have can be used together for Christ's purposes. In the church, the differences that exist between the parts of the body, the members of the body, they're not bugs. Oftentimes, they are a feature. And so this image you should think about when you think about the body of Christ is A physical body made up of many limbs, appendages, organs, parts. Not just the universal church, though that's true, but the local church and our local church here at Zoe as well. The body is united, but the parts are different. And every part is essential. This is what Paul tells us in the next verses, in verses 15 through 17. If every part of the body is essential... That means you belong to the body. You can read it again with me. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? See, as you read these verses, we find out that just like In our modern day, in the ancient church, there was this understanding, this wrong understanding of the church body that could exist. This understanding that if I'm not really part of a church body, it doesn't matter. That the church body can function just fine without me, and it won't really matter at all what I do or don't do. And Paul says, as he's talking about the body parts, quote-unquote talking, that's not the way it is. Just because you're a hand doesn't mean you don't belong to the body. Or just because you're not a hand doesn't mean you don't belong to the body. Just because you're not a foot doesn't mean you don't belong to the body. Just because you're not a pastor or a teacher or something doesn't mean you're not part of the body of Christ. The principle here is that the church needs the healthy functioning of every one of its members. Every member of the body has a role to play for the good health of the church. And this is why we did a ministry fair 
last week. <laughs> so actually what happened was I got sick. We we're supposed to do ministry fair after I preached about the body of Christ and the many members. But, you know, God's timing. Um, we had to push everything back. We did a ministry fair last week. But the point still stands. Yes, the church can survive, okay? There are people in this world whose bodies are missing body parts. But to be healthy, to thrive, to function rightly as a body, every part is essential. Growing up, my dad owned an auto repair shop. Some of you might know this. Um, And uh, he would always teach me ways to take care of our vehicles and keep them in good condition. And, you know, we're driving a car from 2003 still, so it worked out. Thank you, Dad. (laughs) Um, One of the most important things he told me was this. If you have a car that you don't need to drive every day, you need to drive that car at least once a week. You guys know this, right? If you're into cars, you need to drive that car at least once a week. And the reason isn't to stay familiar with that car or something like that. It's that when the car isn't driven, some parts don't get used. Some parts never warm up. And so you start having things like seals dry up and crack. You start having uneven tires because the tires start to get formed to the concrete that they're sitting on over time. You start to have your battery lose its charge, your alternator no longer fire up and work the way it's supposed to work. And it turns out, as in many things in life, if you don't use the parts of a car, they start to break down and they will affect everything. That's how it is with the car and with the body. Muscles can atrophy, problems can start because we don't move enough because we sit at a desk all day. And this is what Paul is getting at here. You might not know exactly how yet. Maybe right now you're wondering how and you want some help with it and we want to help you. But the truth is that if you are a Christian, if you are part of Christ's body, and you are, then you have an essential part to play. You are an essential member of this body. As Paul says in these verses, just because you don't feel like it doesn't mean it isn't true. Just because you feel like that isn't the case doesn't mean it isn't true. I think that in the church sometimes people struggle because they feel like an outsider. Or you feel like this church or church is really only for people who look a certain way. Maybe people who have young kids or only for people who are married, only for people who have a certain standard of living or, or something like that. And I can understand how you might come away with those opinions in the church. But just because we feel that way doesn't mean that's how it's supposed to be. Maybe you feel like, you know, this church doesn't have the right makeup for me. I don't, I don't click with the people here the right way. And, you know, that's something that's good to be aware of. But it doesn't change the fact that you still, as a member of the church, are an essential part of the body. And so our feelings can't get in the way of us seeking to use our gifts and to plug in and work alongside the body of Christ in the way that God designed. Just because you don't feel like you're a part of the body doesn't change the fact that this is how God made it to be. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. And so this is the point of the first point. You are supposed to be a part of the church. A healthy, functioning, essential part of what God is doing. Now, don't get me wrong. Okay, We've said this at Zoe many times, and maybe it's shocking to you that we say this. The reality is, and we saw this in the book of 1 Samuel, God doesn't need you. God doesn't need any one of you individually. He, he, he's not like crying in a corner hoping that you'll just like do the things that he wishes you would do. He can do whatever he wants to do in his time exactly the way that he desires. But even if God doesn't need you, the church does. We do. You're a part of this body. And if you see that, you'll begin to see that while God doesn't need you for his ultimate purposes, he has placed you where you are with the privilege of being an essential part of the body of Christ 
And that is a beautiful thing. That is an amazing opportunity before us. And that leads to our second point this afternoon. Each part of the body is essential, but also each position, each place in the body is ordained. Each place in the body is ordained. Let's look at verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. This is what Paul is saying. He says, listen, every part of the body is essential, but he understands that some people don't actually see it. Maybe you don't feel that way. You don't feel part of the body. And truthfully, um, not everyone who's part of the body acts like they're part of the body. So how do we deal with that? How do we start to make a change so that our church looks the way that God designed it and, and describes for us in his word? I said that each place in the body is ordained. And what does it mean that something is ordained? Well, it simply means that God has chosen in his wisdom to make it that way. And this is what this verse in verse 18 tells us. There are two words here that Paul uses in the Greek. You can look at them with me. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. So there's two things that God does here. He arranges and he chooses. The Greek word for arrange is the word tithemi. It's a word that means to place or to put something in its place. Now, the form of this verb, and this is kind of a grammatical lesson, the form of this verb is what we call the aorist form, which basically just means it's supposed to be viewed as something that is a complete singular action. In other words... What God did in arranging the body isn't something that's happening on the fly. Isn't something that he's making up as he goes. It's something that he decided on. He deliberated on. He decreed way before it even happened. You could say that the arrangement of the parts in the body is God's calling. Secondly, the word translated chose here is a word that basically means to wish or to want. In other words, it's not just that God placed everyone where he desired for them to, or where he chose them to be. It's also that he placed them where he thought was best, according to his goodwill, according to his perfect wishes, according to his desires. God has put you in the body of Christ, the way you are with the gifts and differences, challenges and experiences, and all the things that make you a different member of the body. Now, things change. You may move churches. You may have different seasons in life. There are times when you'll go to different places. That's the truth, and the New Testament acknowledges that. But here's a theme you'll find over and over again in the Bible. Where you're at now is not an accident. Where you are at right now is where God knew you would be right now for however long that season lasts. And if that's the case, he wants you to be part of the body in the place you are right now to be faithful to him. If I can speak honestly, I think that so many times our failure to understand that God has, has ordained these things leads to long seasons of unfruitfulness in the lives of Christians. I don't know how long I'm going to be in so-and-so place. So eight years goes by. I haven't been a part of the body. We're waiting on something to change instead of understanding that God is in control. God is the one who has arranged these things. He has ordained every place in the body, every position, and God has put you here, as it were, so that you might be a working member of the body of Christ for as long as God has you in that place. So Paul doubles down in this verse. He says that God arranged and he chose. It's not a product of random chance or it's not a mistake. It's not an accident. And so it is no excuse to not be part of the body of Christ where God has arranged you. 
just because you don't know how long you'll be there. I've always tried to be consistent in saying this. As a pastor, it's not always something that's easy to say. But if this is not the church for you, for whatever reason, that's okay. But find a church where you will be a functioning, healthy part of the body of Christ. This doesn't have to be that church. But don't let it be no church at all. You are a part of Christ's body. Be a productive member of the body where God has placed you. If what 1 Corinthians 12 is saying is true about the body of Christ and the parts, then one of the worst lies that we can tell ourselves is what I talked about earlier, that it doesn't matter if I'm part of the church body. It doesn't matter if I function, if I do anything in the church body. That there are better things to do with my time than to use it for the body of Christ. If you read the metaphors of the Bible, of the New Testament, uh, what the church is, and we've been talking about this for six weeks now, if you look at these scriptures, you cannot come away thinking that it's not a priority to God, that the church is not important to Christ. It is all these things, it is also his body. Now, I'm not saying you have to spend all your time at church. Not at all, okay? I don't even want to spend all my time at church. But can we look at how the metaphor actually works? Just be honest. We have an epidemic of Christians, especially in the West, especially in America, for whom the reality is church is just a part of your life. It's just another part of your life. But what does the Bible say? It says church is part of your life. Or it says you are a part of the church. So we need to change in our mindset. God is the one who has saved you. He has placed you in his body in the church and in a church. Maybe last week you signed up or took a few flyers for different ministries in the church. You wanted to find out information about where you might be able to serve. And maybe your thought was, you know, I'm going to pray about whether or not I should serve. Well, if that's what you thought, let me just stop you right there, okay? Don't pray about whether or not you should serve. Don't pray about whether or not you should serve. That's like asking uh, what, should I file my taxes this year? I'm not sure if I'm going to do it. No, you can decide when you do it. You can decide how you're going to do it. You can decide which method you're going to use in doing it. But it's not a choice if you're going to do it. You already know that God wants you, as a member of the church, to use your gifts. It's clear in scriptures, by all means, pray about how you will serve. And where you will serve. And how much you will serve. But not about if you will serve and use your gifts in the body of Christ at all. You already know God's answer. He's arranged and chosen where you are to function as an essential part of the body right now. And so God's ordaining the place and positions in the body means that we are to be faithful now. It also means that we understand that the way we serve won't be the same as every other person. And that's a good thing. It ought to be unique. It ought to be a, a, a way in which we serve because of how God has made us. In verse 19, Paul says, um, if all were a single member, where would the body be? The truth is we as Christians have a tendency sometimes to not serve as parts of the body because we value certain gifts more than others and we think that certain types of serving aren't really all that important. And that's a deficiency. That's an error as well. When I was in college and I became a Christian and I started to grow, I noticed um, that there was something interesting going on with me and the other people in my um, kind of sphere. Everyone who was getting serious about their faith, everyone who started to grow and, and read the Bible and, and study it more and, and want to share about it, all had the same thought. Maybe we should become pastors. 
I was there, this one thought, maybe if I care about God at all, I should become a pastor. Now, why was that? I think there were two reasons. One, I think on the positive side, it's because we love the Word of God. We wanted to teach the Word of God. We wanted to learn how to teach it. It was a good desire and a good impulse and a motivation. But I think secondly, on maybe the negative side, we had been taught wrongly and we had learned wrongly that the only important member of the body is the mouth. That if you're not teaching and and preaching and up there in front of people, you really aren't all that important. And brothers and sisters, that is not at all the case of what it should be in the church. That's what the Bible says here about the members and the body. They are all essential. They have been placed where God has placed them for his purposes, and it matters. Everyone likes to be special in the eyes of others. We value publicly gifted people. And oftentimes, this is how religion in the world can work. Right? We, we see someone and we're drawn to a great communicator, a powerful preacher, a motivating speaker, a, a strong leader. But in Christ's church, we can't all be the same. We need to be fulfilling our roles as different members. In Matthew 23, Jesus said, Woe to the scribes and Pharisees. And part of that was because they loved the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi or teacher by others. As a church, if we don't value rightly the different roles in the church, then we're going to be deficient in our service, in our use of our gifts for the body of Christ. Now, as one of the pastors at Zoe, um, I benefit from the fact that as a church, you guys like to honor those who shepherd the flock. That you guys make it easy to be a pastor. But we have to understand that this is not the only important thing. You don't need to be up front. You don't need to be on stage. You can be. But there are so many ways in which you can serve as a member of the body in the place God has put you with the gifts God has given for his good work in the time he has you here. Now, this isn't to say that we focus on all our differences. But we understand that the unity of the church is most powerfully seen sometimes when we use our differences in the service of his body and work together. In the Bible passage we read for our scripture reading, Romans 12, uh, you can look there if you would like. Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, Paul talks about what this looks like. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. There are dozens of ways for you to use the gifts you have been given according to the grace given to you. There are teachers, but there are also servants. There are those who will exhort. There are those who will be generous. There are givers. There are leaders. There are those who will care for the poor and needy. All these things are equally needed in the body of Christ. So we don't desire to to all have the same role, but we desire to be a body part who is working rightly in the church. The fact that God has ordained the diversity of the church means that he has chosen you and desires you to use your gifts and to steward your time and to build up the body of Christ in the way that you can now. And also means that as we look at the church and we think about how we use the gifts God has given, we also need to value the other parts of the church body as Christ does. This is the third and final point in this passage about the members of the body. Each part is essential, each place is ordained, and finally, each person in the body is valuable. Each person is valuable. One of the ways 
that we best live out the truth of being Christ's body is by valuing one another. We talked about this a little bit last week, about love. But read the verse with me again, starting in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. What is Paul saying here? In a nutshell, we need one another. We need, one, we need you. You need me. I said God doesn't need you, but the church does, and that's true. But it's also true that God doesn't need you, but you need the church. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, put it this way. He said, Christians, you are to love one another not because of the gain you get from one another, but rather because of the good you can do to one another. Not because of the gain you get from other people, but because of the good you can do to one another in the church. See, the Bible is a realistic book. It knows that we all have a tendency to be selfish. We all have a tendency to see certain people sometimes as less important or less necessary, as maybe even dispensable. But in the body of Christ, there are no dispensable parts. The church father, John Chrysostom, pointed out thousands of years ago as he, as he looked at these verses, verse 22, Paul is correcting a misconception when he says that there are parts of the body that seem to be weaker but are in actuality indispensable. In other words, we can have this error in our minds that some people don't matter that much. And it might not be the same people as someone else thinks, maybe because that person annoys you or maybe because that person seems to be sitting on the sideline or because that person is just not the kind of person you click with. But we're not allowed to think this way if we understand the church as the body of Christ. We cannot think that there are members of the church who are not valuable, who aren't important, who don't deserve care and concern. This is not how the body works. The term that Paul uses in verse 22 is the term indispensable. The parts of the body that appear to be weaker are indispensable. And this is a really interesting Greek word. It basically means necessary. Right? It basically means like, I mean, it's kind of English, right? It's necessary, indispensable. You know what that means. But in the Bible, there is one time when this word is used in a different way. It's in the book of Acts. The book of Acts, Cornelius uh, gets visited by Peter, and then when he does, he kind of has like a little gathering. And what he does is he goes out, and he gathers all of his relatives and his indispensable friends. That's what it says. His same word here, indispensable. There's a relational aspect that this word can speak to. It can talk about being close, being tight. And that's why I love the word valuable. The members of the body who seem to be weaker are often, in fact, the members that we ought to cherish and love as much as any other, if not more. I remember, um, and some of you, you guys remember, um, uh, there was a member of our church, an older lady whose husband had um, these difficult health problems. And they're not here with us anymore right now, but um, I remember going to her house, and she would bring every week, you know, she would bring her husband, push him through the doors, you know, need help. And, and I remember going one time with another member of the church to their house and seeing the care that she was giving to her husband day in and day out. And then seeing this other member who was there to help 
this family as well. In a situation that was difficult to see. And watching her, her give that care, I saw how indispensable, how valuable it was. That there was something happening in that moment in the church that was truly beautiful, even if it wasn't uncovered for everyone to see. We need to value the members of the church as that saint did. Paul explains this with a metaphor of the body again. It's almost kind of a a little bit funny, but basically what Paul says is that the most essential parts of our body for creation and nurture and human being, uh, they are the most modestly hidden and the most carefully taken care of. We cover the parts that are, in a sense, more valuable and delicate and require protection. Basically, our private parts are a weak spot, but they're also very important. And you all know that. I don't need to give like a super long explanation of that. I don't want to, per se. Um, but what is the takeaway for us as we think about the church body and all the various parts that are part of that body? Like I said before, there are no throwaway parts. In the body of Christ, there is no appendix. Okay? There are no people who do not have value. There are no people who are unimportant. There are no people who don't matter because we are one body in Christ and we are all members of that body. Instead, we are to honor one another. And Paul says we are to rejoice together and we are to care for one another and to lift one another up in the body of Christ. And this is what verses 24 to 26 say. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers... All suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And one of the greatest ways we can live this truth out in the body of Christ is that we simply value every member. And if we value them, then we will care for them. And we will rejoice with them. And we will suffer with them when the time comes. And so I encourage us as a church to understand that for us to be many members of one body, it means that we are to value one another. It's not always easy. In fact, It never is. I preach to myself. It's easier most of the time to just kind of let it go, to not worry about that person that may be difficult to love, may be difficult to care for, to not want to deal with somebody who is a burden on your life in some way. And yet in the body of Christ, caring for them is as if we care for ourselves. We can give and care and, and, and value one another because of what Jesus has done for us in the gospel. In the gospel, we have been given grace. We have been treated as valuable even though we are weak and broken. The Bible says that we have been purchased with a great price, the price of the life of the Son of God. And every one of us who experiences this redeeming grace is called to show it to one another. If one member suffers, we all suffer. But if one is honored, if one receives care, if one is lifted up, then we all rejoice. And we want to be a rejoicing church, do we not? Read what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 15.1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now, He was talking about the weakness of those who have struggles with the faith and their conscience. But the point is still valid that what Paul envisions when he thinks of the church body is that where one body part is strong, it cares for one who may be in need or weak in a multitude of ways. It could be financially. 
It could be physically. It could be lifting someone up relationally. It could be caring for them spiritually, of course, discipling those who are weak in the areas that we have grown and learned to live according to God's grace and according to his word. This is what a body does. You guys ever stub your toe? You don't have to answer. Of course you have. When you stub your toe, what do you do? You hop on one leg. When you burn your finger, what do you do? You hold it with the other hand. You dress it up. You, 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 you get it, the care it needs. When your leg cramps, what do you do? You stop everything. Your whole body decides we're going to stop and stretch it out to help reduce and relieve this pain. This is how we should value one another. Charles Spurgeon, again, he, he put it this way. He said, you should make it your life's legacy to carve your name on hearts instead of on marble. And in your tombstone, it's more important that you leave a legacy in the lives of these valuable members of the church than just uh, 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 words to be written for the next generation. This will take time. It will take effort. It will take sacrifice. It might feel hard. But when we care for one another as Christ has cared for us, we experience the truth of being one body with many members. Kind of as we land this plane, um, I want to tell you a story about this guy named Charlie Plum. Charlie Plum was a Navy pilot who flew in Vietnam. And uh, he's famous because he got shot down. And after he got shot down, after about 75 missions, his, um, uh, he, he ejected from his plane. He parachuted down and he was captured. And he was in a Vietnamese uh, prison for six years. Uh, six years as a prisoner of war. He survived the ordeal and now he lectures about what he learned. He kind of is a motivational speaker. And he always tells this story. That one day when he and his wife were out in a restaurant eating, someone came up to him from another table and said, hey, you're Charlie Plum. And he was like, uh, how, how do you know that? He thought maybe he was like a fan of him or something. He was like, no, I know you. You flew fighter jets in Vietnam from the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk. He knew all the details. He said, you were shot down. And six years later, we finally rescued you. And, and the guy was like, okay, so how do you know all this about my life? You read my book or something? And he said, no, uh, the reason I know about you is because I packed your parachute. This man who he was talking to worked on the aircraft carrier, and he would fold and pack parachutes for these fighter pilots every day. And the man shook Charlie's hand, and he said, I guess it worked. And Charlie was like, yeah, it definitely did. And as he states the story, he says he had never quite fully realized until then that every person on that ship, from the captain to the fighter pilots to the sailors, was truly important. This is what we need to know if we're going to understand that we're members of one body. That every sailor on the ship, every person on the team, every part of the body matters. Every position, every place we find ourselves in the body of Christ is ordained. Every person, every person is valuable in the body of Christ. May we recognize that in the church, every member is important, starting even today. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you as a church, as your body especially for those here who are members of Zoe, we, we thank you for the opportunity to live out these great truths of Scripture with one another, in relationship with one another, 
not focused simply on one another, but really focused on Christ, our head. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us that we have a great privilege, a great responsibility, but a great blessing to be able to use our gifts, to use our talents, as it were, that you've given us, to be faithful in the church for the good of your body, for the sake of your name in this world. This time I'll give you just a couple of minutes to pray. Maybe you have asked the question or you're asking the question, what is my place in Christ church? Pray that right now you would pray to the Lord and, and as I encouraged you in the sermon to pray not should I serve or how or, or, or whether or not to serve, but, but how, Lord, do you want me to use my place in your body for your kingdom? Let's pray for a few moments and then we'll be able to sing and worship together. Father God, you know that I am not the head of this church. Pastors are not the head of the church, that Christ is the head of the church. So Lord, we ask that Christ would lead us through his word, and through your spirit. You would lead us to, to function rightly as the many members of your one body, bringing together our, our differences, bringing together the, 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 the ways in which we have been given different passions and, and experiences and opportunities and all these things are that we would bring them together for your sake. That as the diversity leads to unity, you would be honored and glorified in us, even today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.